What's up, man? I got no volume. Can you hear me? I got no volume. Try going to your uh, Skype and go to your microphone settings. I got nothing yet. Now I think can I got. Yeah, now I can. Okay. That was weird. How you doing, man? Doing good. You you staying busy during this quarantine? Uh. Or are you losing your yeah, mind? <laughs> that's good. I'm just relaxing. That's good. Sweet. I'm going to turn the recording on. We'll get going. Kind of talk okay. about your athletic career, your coaching career, talk about Olympics being postponed. Um, yeah. Feel free with any question. Take it in any direction you want. You know, I created this, okay. this podcast to really kind of give people more of a like a non-biased platform to tell their story. Like, I love what Flo does. Like, their documentary on you is great. I just always know everybody's kind of got an angle. So I'm like, you know what? Mm -hmm. After working with like Burroughs, Taylor, now even Gilman, it's like I want to create some kind of platform where people can say whatever the heck they want and, and kind of get their story out, use yeah. it as people are, you know, consuming content. So, all right, sweet. Let me get this started. All right, Mr. Mark Perry, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. I've consumed like no less than six, seven, or eight hours of Mark Perry content because I always want to try to deliver value entertainment on this podcast. And I feel like you, there's so many different angles and stories that you have. And I, and I don't want to just kind of reiterate what everybody else has said and done. And I think some of it's important, but I, I want to try to give, give as much value for people. So... Let's kind of set the stage. You know, you grew up. If there's anybody who can say wrestling is in their DNA, it's got to be you. I mean, your uncles have what, like seven NCAA titles. Your your dad's a two time All American. What was it like, first and foremost, growing up in kind of a wrestling DNA environment? Um, you know, it was. Uh, that's all I knew. That's all my brother knew. That's you know, that's what we grew up in. So. It was, um, and that was my passion, you know, from a young age, obviously around it, um, at the highest level, you know, yeah. not just around wrestling, but around the highest level collegiately and internationally from birth basically. So, um, you know, I loved it. You know, I, I, there's a couple of pictures my parents have. It's, you know, of me sitting basically, you couldn't do it today in duels, but literally sitting right on the mat and, um, you know, there's a picture of me with my dad's letter jacket. It's about 10 times this too big for me um, at Oklahoma State. And uh, Hardell Moore was wrestling uh, Byron Tucker. They used to go back and forth, both guys. Byron was an NCAA champ, Hardell. Um, I can't remember. I think Hardell lost maybe Joe Williams or uh, actually a kid from Ohio. But he was always right there. 
Um, at the top, I'm sitting literally probably five feet from them on the mat uh, when they're wrestling in the bedlam duel. So, you know, not many kids get really no kids get experienced yeah, at that level. So, it it was. Um, I'm grateful. I'm definitely grateful for it. Did it early on, like, you know, I believe you wanted to leave Oklahoma after losing the finals in high school, and that's when you kind of set out to go to Blair Academy. What was it like growing up with expectations? Like, did you set an unrealistic expectation for yourself, or was just, or was it just like an expectation of I'm going to be great because you know when you know as much as you do, or when you're around, you kind of you're expected to be great. What was the mm-hmm. expectation like when you were growing up in, in such an environment? Um, I mean, I don't personally ever remember talking about them with yep. you know fam family members or anything. It was just, I mean, you know, you grow up around a college program, um, you, you're a wrestler, you want to be an NCAA champion. So yeah. it was more just self um, expectations, what you expected from yourself more than my dad or, or my mom or my, you know, my family members saying, you know, hey, we expect this out of you or this. It just, right. it's who I was and um, what I wanted to do from a young age. Yeah, probably my goals um, were determined a lot younger than most. Um, as far as re- really knowing, like I knew at a young age, I remember even thinking in, uh, on the playground when I was in, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth grade that we're playing whatever football or basketball or kickball, you know. Um, and I remember thinking that, you know, when all of these kids, when we're in college, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of them that will compete at the D1 level and just thinking that way as a young kid is I knew what I was going to do you know and I decided I was smaller so you know I decided young that wrestling was what I was going to do so I only wrestled um where you know my brother played football he was a big kid he was a 160 pound freshman you know he was a start starting tailback as a freshman um for the high school team so I knew I was going to wrestle, so my, my whole focus, I, I even remember as a young kid, um, you know, when I played other sports, n- none of it was really that important because it wasn't what, you know, my, where my goals and where my, my, my sights were set. So. so what went into, you know, it sounds like you had a lot of self-awareness even early on. What went into that kind of self-awareness process to say, hey, maybe I should go to Blair Academy? Um, you know, that, that was more, I'm always, a, uh, I'm an independent person, yep. you know, that, that was more of a, a decision I made on the fly. Um, you know, as a young kid, obviously everybody wants to be, uh, you know, a four time state champ. And when I fell short in the state finals as a freshman, you know, life was over for me at the time, you know, that was hard. I mean, that was hard as hard. I wouldn't say harder, but as hard as losing in the NCAA finals as a freshman. You know, I always tell kids when you're trying to get their confidence, you know, um, because everybody's capable of great things, no matter what, you know, profession they decide to do. It's um, what you're putting in between your ears. And, um, you know, when I didn't win, I mean, it was devastating uh, for me. You know, I, I was basically a mute for a long, long time. And I remember my parents basically um, hey, we're going to send you out to Jersey and, um, we're, uh, gonna, you know, you can train out there with these guys. Obviously I knew who they were, you know, with 
Mako and Cooperman and Esposito and Bacchus and I mean just unbelievable group of guys and you know I went out there and um, I just felt like this you know this is where I needed to be I I was happy I wasn't I wasn't happy for a long time after my freshman year you know three months where I basically was not yeah depressed yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean I'm a young I was still a young kid but when I tell people you know when you walk to you know, you go to your first state tournament, yep. and you know, and you know you're going to do good, or you know, it's no different in NCAs, and it's no different at the Olympic level. You know if you're ready, and you know if you're the best, and the emotions are no different. You know, the emotions for a young kid that loses in the junior high state tournament or the elementary state tournament is no different than um, a kid losing in the world finals. Sure. You know, uh, maybe you're a little mature, more mature, and you handle it differently. Um, but those same feelings that you got are greats like, you know, Jordan Burroughs and <clears throat> Kyle Snyder, et cetera, et cetera. They, this, it's the same. They feel the same pain that a young kid does at the state tournament. My wife didn't grow up around wrestling, but she's seen, you know, some things where younger kids are just distraught when they lose and this and that. And it doesn't make sense to her. But, you know, like t- telling her from personal experience like you know it is everything at that point in time you know that fourth grader is investing everything um into becoming a state champion or tulsa national or whatever it is and when you know if they fall short of that um it's devastating for them as a young kid it's devastating and it it just trickles on the older you get but it's good for young kids i think especially that want to compete at the college an international level and there's no reason to have um there's no reason for you not to succeed right away you know a lot a lot of it is the expectation and the knowledge you have and um you know if you're doing things right and and you've elevated your yourself to that level there's no reason you shouldn't win an ncaa title as a freshman there's no reason you shouldn't win a world title right out of college um so i think a lot of it you know, we, we already have the blueprint in front of us from a young, young age. It's just some people might not have the confidence. Some people might not have, you know, the right guidance. Some people might not have the work ethic, you know, but um, a, a lot of a lot more people are capable of doing amazing things in all sports um, than they realize. It's just um, sticking with it and grinding it out. And how did you get through the depression after you lost? Like, I know going to Jersey, you started to get happier as you were wrestling with some of these guys. But, like, how did you – I'm sure there's many people who are in that position of losing after a big match. They, they get into kind of a, a spell of depression. Like, what would be your advice to kind of push through that? Um, I, I – you know, a lot like, – like – Tom and Terry talk about I think that's pretty important and they're, they're good at it you, you know um, they're very good with their athletes and their athletes are very good so some are some are yeah. you know yeah. um, and the ones that aren't are usually the very very best ones you know that just aren't used to losing but um, it's I mean it's not easy you know they always talk about moving forward the next thing in front of you and it's true you know it's true but we all take differently you know we're, we're Gilman um is pretty impressive in that aspect where, you know, he, he can um, take the intel from the competition where he made mistakes. He can move forward, you know, quickly. Where, where some people, um, you might, myself included, it, 
it, it would take a while, you know, it'd take a while to recover. And that's probably a flaw as an athlete and as a coach sometimes, you know, I'm uh, pretty invested and emotional, no more than obviously someone like Thomas Gilman. It's just emotionally a little different. <clears throat> and how do you, on the kind of other end of that, how do you continue to, to elevate yourself? Like you obviously, you lose in the state finals, then, then you work to get better. Same in college. You, you continue to elevate yourself and become better, even through both wins and losses. How have you found you've been able best to, to continue to elevate your game to, you know, I, I know a lot of guys talk about the intellectual aspect, and, and Gilman's a great example of walking away from something. I remember he told me, like, after NCAAs, he looked himself in the mirror, said, you're never going to be an NCAA champion. He kind of picked up the pieces, figured out what he needed to work on, and, and got better. But for, for a lot of people, I feel like it's it's not as clear how to continue to elevate their game. Like, what worked for you both in high school and collegiately elevating so that, you know, after a second or third place finish, you can get that championship? Um, just unfinished business, you know. In, in high school, that was the goal. Um, and then, you know, it's just kind of moving forward. I, I, I didn't care about high school results. You know, that was the number one. I wanted to be a four-timer. Once that was gone, it was like, all right, you know, I got to get better. I got to, I have to be ready as a freshman to win it. And at the time, you know, um, there were a lot of good guys in college that they had no clue. I, I'm stalking them and scouting them as a, a 10th grader, 11th grader, 12th grader, you know, but you know, that was my goal my whole life yeah. being around a college program um, was to be an NCAA champion. And I didn't plan on waiting. You know, I planned on winning it right out the gate. Um, I didn't care what other people's opinion or what they thought. You know, I had those goals from a very, very young age. And I, I, I mean, they, they were going to happen and they were going to happen right away. Um, so I think it's just, you know, what what's the long term goal, the long term vision? Um, and you know, for me, that was, that was the best thing about Blair, um, that, that I enjoyed the most was I felt like everybody there, it was like, we were the best team, um, in the country by a landslide and, and maybe, you know, the best team, couple of the better teams of all time. Um, but no one really, the, the ones that went on to the next level, um, they had great perspective in their, you know, their high school wrestling, it was just, I got to get better. I got to get better for the, I don't got to get better to beat the number two guy in the country in high school, the number three guy in the country. I should be smashing these guys, majoring them, teching them. I got to be ready for that guy. If I step in like Steve Bacco did or Zach Esposito, I got to be ready to win it as a true freshman. And they were both number one seeds as true freshmen. And I think a lot of that um, just comes down to the platform that we had at Blair where we weren't wrestling to win the Beast of the East or the Ironman or get OW awards. It was just a process to get to the next level. And it was genius on Buxton's part um, of just pushing us that way, where a lot of guys are so focused. You know, even if you drop the expectations um, for a kid, you know, to in, in, a, in the state where I want to qualify for state, you know, um, it makes up, you know, I want to be an All-American. Um, when your goals are there, I mean, that's about where you're going to plateau at, where yeah. if, if you're, if you're planning on, I want to pin every guy the entire season, you're probably going to win the state tournament. You know, I, I want to, 
get bonus points every single match in college. And if your mind really believes that, um, if you believe that inside, then, you know, you got you can do anything you want, really. And by the way, speaking of Blair, it's funny. I, I have so many conversations with wrestling people. And normally when I talk about like, oh, hey, so-and-so's going on the podcast tonight. It's like, oh, cool. Anybody I talked to today, when I told them you were coming on, there was like 18 different mention this, ask this. And I remember I was, I was talking to Quentin Wright this morning. And he said, ask him about all the high school medals at the bottom of Blair Lake. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And he's like, yeah. just ask him. So what the heck is he talking about with the high school medals at the bottom of Blair Lake? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's a tradition, I guess. No. I, we, we um, in Stillwater, I lived, uh, our house, we had a, a pond right behind our house. And, you know, I just, not, I guess I'm a poor sport. When I, <laughs> if I didn't win, I don't keep second place Big Ten or second place anything. Fargo trophies, I just chuck them in the lake. So. Uh, everything that every time I finish second or third, yeah, I, the, the, those uh, awards are somewhere at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> That's great. Now, if I have this correctly, you had three herniated discs your sophomore year in Iowa, right? Yeah. Now, when you're out for that, what is your perspective when any time in your life, like if you talk about after your freshman year in high school, you you get depressed for a bit, but then you go to Blair, you go to Jersey, you kind of around different people, you change your, you get a little happier. When you face an injury like that, what's your perspective to not get, to not get so frustrated, but to continue getting better, to come back and keep winning? Like, how do you keep a proper perspective through an injury like that? Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't handle it the right way, you know, for sure, um, from a rehab perspective, and it, it was just. Uh, there were a lot of things happening at the time at Iowa, um, and I was the best form that I ever was as a wrestler that year. That you know, um, I, I was my sophomore year. It was a great weight class. <clears throat> it was um, myself and uh, Ben Askren and Jake Herbert and several other really really talented wrestlers. But those were the top three guys, yeah. and I think I started the season out fourteen and zero with fourteen pins. Um, and then I got hurt in the semifinals, um, at the Midlands and it was just a fluke. It was a fluke thing. I slipped trying to, uh, kind of an outside step duck. I slipped on the a sweat from the previous match. The guy fell weird, you know, landed kind of on my neck. And then I <clears throat> kind of collapsed just like someone gets KO. They just drop straight down like a, yeah. you know, brick. And when I landed, the guy caught me in a Turk and, Hat was cranking on me for the entire two minutes, 20 seconds, and I just wouldn't go over. Um, and that's where that kind of started. And then it's tough. You know, that year was probably the hardest year where for the first time I didn't. I always believed, um, just like I believe in athletes. It was just I, I couldn't put a 10-pound dumbbell over my head anymore you know it was just it was the weirdest i've never had injury like that before i've had you know knees and shoulders and you know wrist and hands but uh something that controls everything in your power and uh my your controls your muscle fatigue your mu my muscles would fatigue in 15 20 seconds um it, it was tough especially you know when, when i'm training 
to dominate and beat guys of that caliber, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to smash these guys. I was the most right. ready I've ever, ever been in my life. I couldn't wait to wrestle uh, Askren and Herbert. And then once that happened, uh, I knew I was in trouble, big trouble. And, and you know, um, I just did everything I could to help the team out. But I, I knew there was no way I was going to be able to beat someone with an injury like that. You know, I couldn't shoot anymore. I never shot again the rest of my career, basically. I was a pretty – grew up, obviously, in the Oklahoma State room. I was, you know, a guy that moved a lot, shot a lot of low signals, a lot of high – a lot of, like, John Smith high crotches, double legs to the body. I would throw a lot where I wouldn't throw anymore because I didn't want to arch on my neck. You know, so I had a completely – after that year, I'm just – I made a decision on my own. If I, I still want to, even though I'm not the same anymore. Um, and you know, back then neck surgeries and the, the healthcare for, for taking care of guys necks wasn't nearly as good. Um, and, um, you know, um, I knew I had to transform my style because even though it wasn't what I wanted those first two years, you know, in college, getting second and third, I still had that goal since a little kid. I got to find a way to win the NCAA tournament. So I can pl- I quit shooting. Um, I focused a lot more on my riding, and I fo- and I completely went from a, I guess you could say, a, a, an outside wrestler to a, a funk wrestler. You know, I changed. I just completely, tra- you know, switched my wrestling around and relied on my scrambling ability. And you know, most people were scared to wrestle me because they didn't want to get taken down you know and um i'd have to start winning matches you know differently then i'd get guys that kind of figured out hey something's wrong this guy doesn't ever shoot so then they wouldn't shoot (laughs) you know so so then the matches would uh, you know sometimes i might have a match that's a lot closer with somebody that you know beforehand i might have kept fault or pinned um so it, it, it was a tough time but you know, from an athlete, I think it's important as an athlete, you know, to be able to make adjustments like that. And, um, you know, it's helped me in coaching because I completely just switched my entire style um, based off of, you know, how, how my body felt. And do you think that's what helped you? Like, you know, obviously you, you have this injury and then it's funny you say because now like thinking of I watched the the Hendrix finals match after I watched the, the flow documentary and I kind of now that you're saying this like I'm processing it real time thinking like that makes sense like I don't think you really shot in that match but you did you kind of got your confidence I think you said as soon as you got that crab ride and you knew it was over and it's funny mm-hmm. here and you say that you you had to transition to, to almost more of a defensive wrestling position what were the how did you transition from your sophomore year to junior year knowing i can't shoot as much i need to adjust but i got a guy like hendrix i gotta beat to take out like what did you do to elevate at that point um you know i i the the mental side of it you know i had great coaches obviously with uh tom brands and and dan gable so you have you have about as good on that that uh, that side of things as i could have i mean you know just being ready you know the one thing with um i think johnny was probably the most 
gifted and special athlete I ever competed against in competition or practice. And I've wrestled with the very, very best, you know. He's a guy that wrestled he, – he, he was a killer as a young kid. You know, I'm from Oklahoma, so he's one of those guys that won, you know, however many you can, 10 state titles, 10 Tulsa national titles, <laughs> you know, six Fargo titles. He, he was the guy, you know, he was the guy. And, you know, then he has a great college career, and he's never fought in his life, and he goes and wins a world title in four years, you know. Um, he's a pretty – pretty unique guy um so i knew what i had in front of me as far as that and as good as he was i knew he couldn't score on me e even what before i was you know beat up he ne he i don't i um he never took me down where it was something was clean ever and off the top of my head and i'm pretty good i can't ever re really remember him taking me down um it was always he would always win which not very many people ever beat me that way, but he would just, you know, he would find a way to win. He's a, he just knows how to win. He's a competitor, you know, and I mean, that that's why I bring up MMA. It's just how you become the best in the world in four years and you've never done, you know, they just know how to win. They know how to win. They know how to compete, you know, so I just knew I had to match him. And one thing that Tom and Gable said, cause I hadn't beat in Stillwater, um, three weeks before or not three weeks before, but you know, maybe eight weeks before, six weeks before I had him beat and I blew it. And I, uh, several times I had him beat, you know, I was up by two takedowns and no one uh, could get to me, you know, that way, but he would find a way, you know, sometimes good calls, sometimes bad. But at the end of the day, he out, he out wrestled me and that's why he won. Um, and so I, they, they talked about you got to be able to match your focus has to be able to match his for 420 seconds or more. And, and that, that was just a big thing for me was I knew it wasn't going to be pretty. I knew the wrestling wasn't going to be exciting um, because I couldn't really sure. I couldn't go upper body anymore. I couldn't shoot, you know, that much. He knew that he wanted nothing to do with me upper body. He knew he wanted nothing to do with the scrambles and physically, um, him and you know he's the strongest pound for pound guy i've ever you know wrestled so he could positionally keep me where he wanted at all times and um so i just knew i had to stay in there and make something happen you know uh, and you know things fell into place it, it still wasn't really the match that you know, you visualize and you want, you want to have, um, but you know, it came together and it wasn't pretty, but you know, it is what it is. And did that give you more confidence? I'm, I'm always curious when I talk to people about at a high level, learning from both wins and losses, do you think you learned more from that win or previous losses at the NCAAs where now you go into your senior year, you have another great competitor, where do you think you – what did your junior championship mean to you and help you for your senior year? Um, I mean, at the time, it was just a relief, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know you hear that a lot, uh, but it was a, a real, you know – I mean, that's all I cared about. You know, at that time, I used – I remember – I don't feel that way anymore, but as a kid, I could win the NCAA championships. I could die the next day. I'll be happy. You know, it was that kind of feeling. It was like, now what? Now what? Dude, and, your emotion showed it. I mean, yeah. the emotion after the match is just, you see that. Yeah. You know, so it was just, 
Uh, all right, finally, you know, I've come short the last couple of years. It, it's done, and um, you know, going into the next year, you see it all the time. Um, I've coached it, and I just, you know, it's just a dumb, dumb thought process. Um, I just, I didn't respect any of those guys. I didn't, I didn't think any of them were any good. Um, and, and obviously, I'm talking from my mindset back then as a competitor. Sure, yep. I know, I know, I know they were great wrestlers, yep. but at the time, I'm like, these guys aren't on my level. Don't matter if I'm hurt, they're not on my level. You know, now, I mean, in the regular season, it's not again not the best mentality sure. in the world. But when it, when the lights are bright, they don't got a shot in hell. And um, that was kind of my mindset, and that's probably why my my senior year was. Um, rough physically emotionally you know uh, everything that could go wrong that year went wrong for me um outside of wrestling inside of wrestling then i tear my knee and have to have knee surgery because my leg won't unlock but even when that happened i spent a lot of time um you know coach brands had a team to get ready to win a national championship you know that was our first national championship we had some unbelievable guys on the team and uh you know, I spent a lot of time with Gable just doing crazy, crazy workouts at his house. And I wasn't, I didn't even wrestle for like the the last, you know, at all because I had a neck problem. And then obviously I just had knee surgery, but Gable, you know, had me ready. And um, after, well, after the Big Tens, you know, I, I was a little, I was, I, I was nervous. I wasn't supposed to be on the mat. You know, the, the, the doctor said, you're crazy. You're supposed to be out six months. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be out off the mat six months and you're wrestling in the best guys in the country in the big 10 championships three weeks later, I wrestled scared, you know, and it showed and I just didn't compete well. And then going into the nationals, um, for what, whether it's, you know, again, if I could go back and do things, I would do them differently. Um, but I, in my, my mind at the time was, who cares what happens to my body? This is it. I'm never wrestling again. You know, these Did guys. Did you know then you weren't going to wrestle freestyle internationally? Yeah. And I wish I wasn't thinking that way now. But, um, you know, I just didn't. I wasn't. It was just me talking to myself, I guess. I, you know, I just didn't have uh the, the right things going in between my ears that I was putting in my ears. Um, I was just beat up, you know, my, yeah. I was like, how am I, you know, I'm going to, these guys aren't on my level. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get it done. So I got it done. And I knew internationally that um, the way I think I knew I would do very well, um, but it would take time. And my, my, my biggest thing was, um, all right, I'm going to, I need to get, complete knees, you know, re reconstruct my knee. And then I'm going to have to do something about my neck so I can shoot again. Cause if you're, what are you going to just funk, funk roll guys? You know, right. like I got, I got to get back to my offense. I got to get back to my baseline defense. You know, um, I grew up, you know, obviously with my uncle John Smith growing up around Kendall cross, I learned a lot of things, you know, from the parterre and chest wraps. And I just had a good style. And yeah. before, before I, when I could shoot, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, um, I wish I would have done it, you know, in hindsight, but it was 2008 when I graduated, I was, uh, you know, the trials were whatever, 
you know, six weeks later, I just blew my knee out kind of deal where it was like, all right, well, I want to go a whole another four years. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, in hindsight, it all worked out great because we had Jordan Burroughs come along and he won an Olympic gold medal in 2012. So it's a blessing in disguise. And then what was your transition like from athlete to coach? Um, pretty easy. You know, I'm, um, even in college and in high school, just being around it, it's just natural. You know, it's natural for me to want to help other guys and help people. And, um, you know, I, I've been fortunate to be around so many different legends that, you know, they all have the same principles and lifestyle. Um, but you know, they might have a little different, uh, skill sets or, or training methods, et cetera, where just, um, it, it was natural. I mean, I knew that I would, do well because I was helping a lot of guys, you know, doing my best and maybe too much sure. in college and high, maybe too much in college and high school saying, Hey, you need to do this, this, you know, against this guy, you need to do this, this. And I know sometimes my coaches were like, just worry about yourself kind of deal. But then, Hey, but then sometimes they were like, Hey, that worked, you know, Hey, that, you know, that game plan worked. I remember, um, you know, a couple times where we had guys win big big matches they weren't supposed to win so i i knew that it would be natural i mean i grew up around the elite of elite coaches and you've coached at what penn state here <clears throat> cal poly illinois um now the hawkeye wrestling club what do you think is the biggest difference between four different programs like that um the uh pretty drastic you know really um you know, when I was at Penn State, it was um, it, it was just a great opportunity, and uh, financially, it was you know it was really good for me yeah. uh, right out of college. You know, sure. second second assistant, Big Ten program. You know, I always think about I would never go somewhere that I didn't believe in. I'm not one of those guys. I just want to be in wrestling yeah. uh, because I love wrestling. And hell with that. You know, if if I'm not trying to develop champions every year. Um, then, then it's not from, you know, it's just, that's not what I'm about. Um, and when I went to Penn state, you know, I knew I'm one is they weren't where they are obviously now, but I'm like, imagine how good this team could be, yeah. you know, that this, I mean, how, how, you know, with the in-state recruiting Jersey right there, you know, Ohio, uh, New York. And, and then it's a great, it's a great, um, you know, it has a great education. It's a great institution, a, a cool little town. You know, I, th- I thought, hey, they can be the best. You know, they can be, they can be. A, so going there um, was cool. Um, you know, I, I worked with the freshman that year. It was a little different than I expected, but they, they, you know, really just let me work with the freshman. And um, we signed Ed Ruth um, from Blair Academy. You know, so I got to know Ed really well. And I, I still, you know, stay in contact with him from time to time. Um, and, you know, it was awesome. You know, the, the first guys I ever got to work with in college wrestling were uh, Frankie Molinaro and Quentin Wright. And I was very, very close with Quentin. Um, and now I'm really, really close with Frankie, you know. And um, it was awesome to see those guys, you know, progress um, throughout their careers and become, you know, legends for Penn State. And, um just do a you know, those are my first two guys I got to work with. So I was lucky and, um, they just workers, you know, great wrestlers, great people. And then going to Cal Poly was, um, it was, and, and the way I visualized it 
when I, when I was going there was, hey, this should be the Cornell of the West. You know, this should be the Cornell of the West. And one is it's a lot easier to get kids into school than Stanford. Two is that the California, um, the the financial aid there was amazing back at the time. Um, if you haven't been to Cal Poly, it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's probably the coolest, you know, place um, in the country as far didn't as just. did you initially recruit Jesse Delgado to go to Cal, Cal Poly? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Delgado came, and we had a great recruiting class, um, and we had two great years. That was probably um, some, you know, definitely some of the more enjoyable years that I've had in coaching. It, it, it was, it was a pretty amazing time where we came there. Um, you know, that first year, we, tra- you know, that that group of guys, um, uh, I trained them hard. You know, Coach Azevedo, Coach, Coach Azevedo gave me the, uh, you know, the keys to, to getting these guys ready. And, you know, I don't mean this um, in a negative way towards India, but the reality of it was, was I knew that this team and this group of guys doesn't have the same God-given ability as Iowa or Oklahoma State, you know, or, uh, but I said, they're, you know, as far as uh, when you work, like those guys work. Those guys worked harder than we ever worked at Iowa, and um, it was probably overboard. But <laughs> the thing was, is um, you know they were they were fighting to the death. I'll never forget we were wrestling um, Wyoming, and they had the number one guy in the country, and we had a guy that didn't. He won a, only a couple matches, maybe one or two matches. And, you know, it came down to that match. They got to pin him to do this. And I knew going into the match, there's no way in hell this guy's going to pin us. And, you know, if you if you have a guy that's 3-20 and 20 versus 33-0, and 0, you're like, oh, he's going to pin him for sure. Yeah. And I remember their coaches being so pissed off because, you know, they lost on criteria, this and that. But it just, that, to me, that was just kind of the um, – those that group of guys that competed um, those couple years there – you know, pretty special group of guys. I mean, they just fought, man. They fought. They worked so hard. Those, you know, the, the things they went through together, that's what wrestling's all about. The crowds, we would go out and make uh, these MMA flyers were, you know, Hostrasser from Boise State, kind of like flexing and one of our guys. It's just kind of do, do different things yeah. uh, for pro- promotion, fundraising. We had MMA events. We had uh, fight well, I for wrestling. You said that in a in an interview. I forgot who it was with, but I, I was reading it. It's like you basically said that, like no disrespect to these programs like Iowa and Oklahoma State, but they don't do things out of the box. And when you're able to go to Cal Poly and even Illinois, they did think you were able to have them do things a little differently. It wasn't so like black and white. Let's do what we've done the last fifty years. For sure. I mean, you you and you have to to be competitive yeah. too. You know, some of these programs, they got so many resources and so many good things going where, um, you know, at Cal Poly, um, we did a lot of things to raise money. And, and, um, you know, obviously Chuck Liddell was a Cal Poly Mustang. And, you know, we we, uh, his former coach um, and the staff, you know, we, we had some pretty awesome MMA events where pretty sure I know TJ Dillashaw. His first fight was on there, and Chad uh, Mendez. I, I remember like Tito Ortiz and Lou Ferrigno and Jenna Jameson. They all like showed up, <laughs> so it was cool. Those were fun times, and 
those guys, like I said, um, they worked their butt off. You know, we, we beat a lot of good teams. You know, we beat a lot of good teams. Uh, Missouri, we almost beat Oklahoma State. Jordan Oliver, I love him to death. But he got he, he was pinned. He was pinned, and they wouldn't call it down in Stillwater, or we would have won that dual meet. But, um, you know, we were just competing. They were competing at a high, high level. And as far as a group of guys, um, that, that, that I mean, they're just – that. It was special because the level they were competing at, um, you know, on paper, they had no business beating Missouri or Arizona State or Oregon State or, you know, um, competing. We would go to Vegas, and I think we got second or third as a team at Vegas, you know. And yeah. So that that was cool, but you, we did it different. You know, I would never train uh, – um, I would, you know, I would never train, say, somebody like Gil- Gilman like them. Sure. And he's a workhorse. Yeah. Not, you know, he, he's, a, he's a horse. You know, it's just those guys went through Navy SEAL camp. And um, I know where I made my mistakes there. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun couple of years. And um, then Illinois, then, then, you know, I got offered the, the head coaching job there. Um, and... You know, there were a lot of programs dropping at the time. Yep. You know, Fullerton just dropped. UC Davis just dropped. Bakersfield just dropped. Um, um, the Grand Canyon, right? Grand Canyon and Arizona just dropped. A lot of these West Coast programs were dropped that year. And, you know, in hindsight, I believed in myself. I know what I could have done. You know, I wanted to stay. I loved it there. Um, it was just... Um, you know, just worried, you know, are they, it had nothing to do with wrestling it, it is, are they going to back the program, you know, with all these programs dropping. So I got an offer, um, to go to, uh, Illinois and went there and, you know, we had a lot, a lot of success, um, competed at a high level. We were, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a competitor, you know, I don't feel good about a lot of stuff very often. And, um, I don't feel good about it there from a standpoint of, you know, I wish I could have been able to do more for, for, for Illinois and those guys, but we were so close, you know, to getting a team trophy. That was a big thing for me because they had never had a team trophy before. Right. And we were so close so many years. And then, you know, we just, just wasn't meant to be, you know, BJ Futrell's number two in the country. Uh, he has a neck injury like mine and, and, you know, today it's different. The doctor said, Hey, you're not wrestling. Right. Your, your, your career's over. You know, if he wrestles and makes the finals, you know, we get third place. Um, you know, Jesse Delgado senior year, that was the same year IMR wanted as a freshman. He, you know, blows his shoulder out, then his hamstring. He, he obviously was the big, a huge favorite to win the NCAAs that year. But even if he just gets third or fourth, um, which that wouldn't have happened if he was healthy, right. you know, we, we end up getting third or fourth. So that, that was devastating, um, you know, but um, a, along the way, I mean, we, we beat basically everybody at some point in time um, besides, you know, um, the perennial, perennial programs. And we, uh, we were right there. I mean, we had some duels with, you know, um, Oklahoma State. Down in Oklahoma State, uh, that duel, they only did that final four one year. Yep. But that's one of the one, one of the coolest 
things I've been a part of on the college scene. They, you know, we went up to Cornell, we upset Cornell and whatever, I can't remember what they called it. And then we went down there and we got in a damn war with Oklahoma State. I mean, it was an incredible duel. Um, it, it was a classic duel. Um, for anybody that likes wrestling, you watch that duel. Am- amazing matches all the way up and down. And it came down to triple overtime at heavyweight, you know. So uh, we were right there. You know, we were right there. And, and um, uh, same with Minnesota. You know, they, they were number one or two at the time. We had an amazing duel with Iowa and Iowa City. Um and uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, a lot of fun. Again, a good group of guys, good group of coaches. And then I just knew it wasn't going to happen uh, for me there, you know, wasn't going to happen. So um, I got the opportunity to come to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and, you know, I um, wanted to do my part to help them, you know, get the club and get the college program back on top. And, you know, it's funny, you talk about like, Guys like Imar and Delgado and things that are both the highs and the lows. I'm curious. I remember you said that when you when you lost to Hendricks, it was like you didn't want it to sound sadistic, but you wanted to give a little pain back. Like it caused you a couple years of, of pain. And I was talking to Fellers when he kind of was looking this up, and he was talking about when Imar lost to Chenzo and how hard that was for you. And I'm curious the the comparison from both an athlete to a coach to dealing with the wins and losses. Like, I've talked to so many guys who say, like, when you're in the corner as a coach, you feel it like you do an athlete. Like, is that the case for you when you're coaching someone, you feel that loss, like, as if it was your own when you were competing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, that it was, de- I mean, devastating. You know, it was, it was something where... You just you don't know as a coach, you know. There, there's been how many four-time national champions and one, Four. one, at, yeah, yeah, you know. At, at the time, the path we were on, there was no way in hell anyone was going to beat him at his freshman year if he maintained that. And um, you know, as the time went on, um, you know, I just I, I you when you got an animal like that, you you got to feed him partners. And my body was, you know, one is I'm not out there scrapping every day, but it's just I'm, I wasn't enough anymore, you know. Yeah. And, and his partners, great, awesome guys, great partners. But you know, he he's a one a generational. He's like a freak, like Mike Tyson. And you 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 know, we just didn't have the situation. And I knew the competition coming forward, yeah. you know, and his career, Jordan Burroughs and guys like that were. You you have you need to take care of this guy and you know as um, his career went on it was just he was dominating doing well um, I just maybe I'm wrong I just had high anxiety what Nolf had and what we didn't and and maybe that's not the way to look about it but I believe it is that's why I'm doing the RTC thing you know sure. if, if you train you know iron sharpens iron yep. and if you're if you're tech falling everybody every single day you know, or beating them up, um, you need some resistance and you need some heavy artillery resistance back. Um, and that, that just gave me, you know, anxiety. And, uh, I thought it was inevitable if, if you're not evolving and not that he wasn't evolving, not that it, it is, um, I 
wasn't able to do the things to get him what he needed to to be a you know a, a four time national champ basically and so that yeah that one was hard because I felt it for like two years yeah. beforehand I, I worried about it I worried a lot and again maybe that's uh, bad on me maybe you shouldn't be thinking that way or talking that way but I, that's just how I look at it I look at it the same way I'm a huge fight fan yeah. I mean you know you're not uh, Again, some guys might get to the top, but then it's kind of like Habib talks about McGregor. You know, like, listen, you're not going to go out and train with guys um, that, that aren't at the highest level in the world yep. when this guy's training with the best guys in the world every day. Um, the odds probably are in favor of the guy that's, you know, getting tested versus who's just running over everybody. And what's the difference between, you know, now coaching at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, what is the what is the difference between coaching in a college where you pretty much know the the lifespan of an athlete for you as a coach it's it's 4 to 5 years you know now at the senior level you don't really know like with with the way free agency is like I'm curious the difference between coaching at the senior level and coaching at the RTC level and kind of playing off that like what your relationship is now with a guy like you know Gilman so what do you mean by that again? So I feel like there's a big difference now more than ever in coaching at the college level versus the senior level. I feel like when, you, when you're when you a coach, you, you kind of have athletes come and go on the college level where the natural course is freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, maybe a redshirt year somewhere in there, but you kind of mm. have that lifespan in the cycle. Whereas the RTC level... It's different. You have guys coming and going. You have guys who are more successful. It's not really a team sport. It's more you're focused on an individual guy. Where with guys like Imar and Delgado, you cared you cared a lot about them. But it's also you wanted a team trophy. Now your mm -hmm. your perspective kind of shifts at the RTC level, and it's not about trying to win a team title. It's about trying to coach somebody to be a world Olympic champion. And I'm just curious from your perspective, the difference there from coaching at, you know, Big Ten and, and Pac-10 colleges and now coaching at the RTC level. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't see it a whole lot different because, um, again, it's the expectation of you and the athlete. And, um, I'm, you know, I've been around uh, the best coaches and no one has, you know, I don't mean that in an arrogant way. It's just, yeah. um, uh, I, I, I'm pretty good at communicating and, and building a relationship with somebody that is a high, high, high level athlete, or even some that might not be that have the potential to be if they want. So at Cal Poly with Boris Novotchkov, uh, I believed early this guy can be a world and Olympic champion, yeah. you know, um, with Jesse Delgado, you know, and again, I don't mean this towards them. I love these guys. Um, you know, I, he had a kind of speed that it, if there was a way to measure speed, I don't know if anyone's ever had that kind of speed. I remember he used to wrestle in Sean Garrett and people talked about, I was like this, he'll never beat him. We're faster. It's like Pacquiao and Mayweather. We're, we're faster. You know, you, the naked eye might not be able to see it. We're not more explosive. You know, but we're faster, yep. we're quicker, and and that, that makes a big difference at, at a high high level. And and understanding distance control, um, and you know, so I believe this with athletes, you know, anywhere. Frankie, Quentin, you know, Jesse, um, 
person. Um, so it's not a whole lot different. You know, I think when Imar was a freshman, I maybe I'm delusional, but I I believed we were training for Yazdani. He was at 70 kilos. And I wanted, I was a fan, and I am a fan of Yazdani. You know, I like, he's the best hand fighter I've, I've seen in maybe ever, you know, um, if you engage in the hand fight with him. Right. Um, and it's hard not to, it's hard not to engage when he's that good right. at it. But, um, you know, I wanted, uh, I believe Imar at the time, you know, he was going through everything with his dad. I've never seen anybody train like that. And, you know, I've gone at Iowa um, and being around Brent Metcalf, who was just a machine um, in his preparation and guys like Gilman. I've never seen anybody on top of that. This is the freakiest athlete I've ever been around. Sure. And I believe I believe as a freshman he could win the Worlds and then he won the NCAAs and he didn't even um, compete in the trials. And the guy he beat at NCAAs ended up getting third at the Worlds, James Green. So um, I don't think it has to do with what college you're at. I think it's the athlete believe in and you know he's capable i mean jess is capable there's many young guys out there that are capable of doing things um but uh you know going to the you you know i mean he's obviously doing great at the senior level now he he was right there beating jordan burroughs last year um but it's always been there you know it's always been there and, and uh, i think these guys now at, at iowa um you just kind of know they're professionals. They tick a little different. Um, where, where guys lose track and is that lifestyle of the focus and the determination, you know, to be an NCAA champion or to be an Olympic champion. Uh, a lot of guys lose, you know, it, that, that, that focus. They lose um, of improving. It's not about just working hard. You know, sometimes I've told Thomas Gilman this before and, um, I love Thomas, you know, where you, you, you're everything any college coach or youth coach would want. I mean, this is the, the, the ultimate warrior as far as yep. living right, tre treating people right, doing things right, you know. But the reality of it is what you've done isn't enough. Yep. It shows in the results. And that, that's, that's hard to hear sometimes. Doesn't mean you can't get there, but you got to make some adjustments. You got to make some adjustments in, in certain aspects um, to get there. You can't just keep beating yourself over the head. Um, and that's no different with any guy. You know, obviously, Kyle Snyder, he can do it. Yep. He obviously can beat Sajjali. He's done it, he, right. he's shown. But, you know, and, and he made the adjustment he thinks that he needs. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, so. I don't really relate it to you got to be here, you got to be there. Yep. Um, it's more, it's more of just um, you got to stay the path. You have to stay the path, and sometimes that path is a lot longer than we want. You know, sometimes you know, uh, for myself as an athlete, listen, give me six weeks, I could brainwash myself. I'm ready to take. I, I, I'm ready to win the Olympics. Yep. You know, um, you know, we have some guys that that are here that that are very. Um, you know, special where they might not need the same time frame to get themselves, you know, to optimum. Um, where, but what you do at the world level have to do. What I've, you know, really learned is, you you do. You got to be consistent all the time. Even though I might think that way, 
I knew that going into international. Sure. Listen, I can't just get ready for six weeks and go right. be, you know, the best guys. It's got to be all the time, all the time. And it might be a year. It might be four. It might be seven, you know, where some guys can get away with it in college where you're not going to get away with it internationally. You know, so that, that that's the biggest difference, I think. And what is your relationship with a guy like Gilman? Like you bring him up a lot and, and you can tell that your relationship with him is special. Like, you know, between traveling with him and, and you know, I know in talking to him, he looks up to you. What has your relationship been with been like with him, especially since you've been back at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club these last few years? Um, it's been fun, you know. I mean, it's been a process, um, of you know, I'm 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 such a, a different, I guess, I'm different, you know, than what he's used to um, from a, um, I don't know, not, not really wrestling, but just maybe how I look at certain things. And, sure. you know, he is, um, he used to be the competitor, yeah. you know, he used to be the competitor. So I, I, I'm, as a coach, like, Everyone has different philosophies and this and that, but I, I will never take an athlete in and not be aware of everything he does, um, every weakness. And I'm not just talking wrestling. I can I know um, the the I know when someone's walking back to the center if they touch their elbow or you know everyone has tendencies you yep. know and their and their patterns and. Um, I'm, I'm in front of that, you know, stuff big time. And some guys aren't used to that. So that, that, that's been, a something where he, I think he's taken in a little more, not all the way because he, yeah. he is who he is, you know, he, he's the, the prototypical, um, Iowa machine and, um, and damn, he's good at it. You know, where I, I, I just respect him, you know, just like Tom and Terry and, and these guys. It's hard not to respect guys that do it like that. And all, all I try to do for, for someone like that, you know, or, or to help Tom or Terry or whatever I can do for Iowa is you just – whatever little part you can to do your part. You know, I just try to do my part for Gilman, and uh, I'm in front of the competition. You know, I tell him where he's got to get better and – um, you know, I say things like I told you before, you know, you're going to have to make adjustments to get right. what you want, you know, right. um, stuff like that. I'm just very honest. we got a good, honest, open relationship. So it's been fun. And it's just when you get to know guys like him, um, you know, Tom, I mean, not even them, but Marinelli's and just guys that do it the right way. We talk about yeah. that cons consistency at the senior level. I mean, I knew it right away, like, hey, if he stays the path, he's probably going to be one of the very best guys in the world year in and year out because not very many people, they can talk on, on it, you know, the this day and age, social media, every, you know, some people, some athletes and coaches, they're a hell of a lot better at marketing themselves than they are at wrestling or coaching, yep. you know, and he's not one of those guys. And I'm all about it. I'm all about doing that. Yeah. But he's a guy, he, he, he's a guy that is um he's all business and it's just hard not to respect so i've learned a lot you know yeah. from from that aspect and um it's just refreshing to see you can, not that i didn't know it it's just yeah. it's refreshing it's it's fun I, you know when i was watching some interviews this morning after you took the job back at the hawkeye wrestling club you had said that like i forgot the way you worded it but it was basically like the pressures on you to grow the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and kind of see it to its potential. 
How do you feel like that's been going? Looking back now, like the last couple years, you know, and, and it sucks that there's no Olympics this year. So it's hard. Like a lot of people judge RTCs as whether it's outward or inwardly. You kind of judge yourself based on, you know, performance at the Olympics and Olympic trials. And, and you don't have that this year. How, what, what are your overall thoughts on what you've done with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club over the last couple of years? Um, I feel, I feel, you know, some areas I feel good about it, but it's kind of, maybe it's just not healthy on my part, you know, but, uh, there's a lot of areas I don't feel, you know, good about, um, you know, where, I mean, we want to win, you know, we want to win world championships and, you know, it, if I look at, you know, just the history of the last, you know, 20 years, we've had we've had we've done well you know we've done better better than we were doing so that's i guess a positive but it's still not what the expectations are um for everybody and you know gilman being a world medalist at alley and and you know we we've put a lot of people on world teams um and you know bring starting up the women's program which is kind of revolutionary for you know uh women's wrestling at this level and um you know, miracle getting second in the U23s. And, you know, there's a lot of positive things on the fundraising side. Um, you know, we've had so many people that are helping, um, you know, grow this thing where we have over 600 people. And I believe that number could double in a year that are annually giving to the inner circle of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. So there's a lot of positive stuff. It's hard. Um, like I said a little bit when I was a competitor you know this the olympic i mean this is everything you know this was everything that the you know and it was supposed to be happening this uh this weekend this weekend you know so that's hard to hard to swallow um even though yeah it's in a year and this and that and everyone's moving forward i i just have a hard time you know um you know settling in i guess to that idea even though you you have to and and i have but don't mean you're not pissed off about it and uh, you know because we were ready we're ready you know we're ready and i know um is that what your reaction was to the olympics trials and olympics being postponed for the year was just kind of pissed like man we were all ready like you guys do have like you have you know miracle you have Alley, you have forest like you guys do lead the chargers there's no other club that has not only the the women you guys have, but like the caliper women you have, and you guys, you do seem like you're ready to fire in all cylinders. Like, is that your expectation or your perspective to yeah. the Olympics? Yeah, I, I mean, I expected uh, I expected five in the finals of the trials. Yeah, you know, and then when you get to the final, I, you know, obviously um, uh, with Gilman and Spencer, I, you know, that that way. I mean, there's so many good competitors, but. I thought those two would be in the finals and then the three women would be in the finals. And granted, once you get there, you're wrestling stars, you know, you're wrestling yeah. Helen Morales and you're wrestling Mensa. And, um, I think Kayla's on a whole nother level than her competition. Um, and then Gilman and Spencer, they're, they're two animals, you know, locked in a cage together. So, yeah. um, it, it, you know, it is what it is. It's just, um, I mean, just not not even just the club side of things. It's just you know we're all a family, you know, here, and 
no different than down at Penn State or Oklahoma State. You know, that club, that college, they're, yeah. they're very connected. And, you know, to see how far and how hard the staff has and those athletes, you know, over the last couple of years have, have come, um, you know, where I always remember Tom and he, you know, used to say that when he first came back, hey, we're 40 points behind. You know, when, when I, I'm talking in 2006, he would say that, you know, sure. well, in, two, in 2008, we weren't 40 points behind. We were 50 points ahead. And it was kind of a, the same, you know, deal um, where these guys just worked and the staff worked so hard to see that, you know, get um, see, to see that happen. And, you know, it's it's life. It's I mean, there's a lot of worse things happening than yeah. the NCAA. It's not happening. But th- that's hard. Yeah. I mean, when your life is invested only into that especially uh, this year it's like, hard, like hard I, I, i'm a penn state guy but for you iowa guys like i feel bad like this was your year nobody can deny that like i and i'm sure not not being you know you mentioned like it is a family it is so tied in like i'm how hard did that hit you when ncaa's were canceled too uh as hard or not i mean as hard if not more yeah you know I mean, I'm a Hawkeye, and that you know, again, it, they're all this. It's all the same, you know. We we might not actually be, you know, Gilman might not be in the corner, you know, with Desanto or you know Corey Clark or you know these guys or these yeah. women, and it's no different when we go to the Worlds or Olympics. You know, not all the coaches might not be in the corner, but the the love and the passion, you know, for those people to have success is everything to everybody. So it, it is, uh, it's really tough. You know, that, that Iowa, the fans, everybody, you know, um, was, um, you know, pretty excited, but they're not going nowhere. So it's, uh, it, it stinks. Um, I feel terrible, not just for our guys, but the ones that, you know, I don't understand this NCA, you know, I, I get it from a financial standpoint but well i don't understand why guys that have red shirt years as easy as they're giving out medicals like yeah. say mark hall mark hall or um who else do they have aaron brooks yeah. um i want to say maybe uh nick lee he, he's a true junior right yep. Yep. true you know so. like why, why why aren't those guys you know why aren't spencer lee's DeSantos, and a besides like that's the university is going to pay that bill, not the athlete, you know, not the NCA. I was hoping that they would at least give guys that had a red shirt or sorry, had not used a red shirt year. I was hoping that they would at least give those guys back um, a year. But, you know, I get it. Um, I get it. That, that there's a lot, a lot of people losing a lot of money. Actually, so. I'm trying to think. Nick Lee, I think, actually did take a red shirt freshman year. I, think I don't did. think he did. Did he? I, th- I thought he came. I thought he moved there as a senior in high school and didn't go to high school, and then he wrestled. Because I used to work. Um, he was close with Jeremy Hunter, and uh, uh, Nick and Joe and his father used to come up to our regional training center and work out almost every weekend. You know when they were young, and um, he. I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's a true. Either way, junior. I I do think like there. I'm wondering if they're going to come out with something in a month or three months. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Pletcher's a true senior? Like he should, the he's going to go back to Ohio State next year anyway and finish his degree, right. and the university is going to pay for it. 
what's the difference in that and some of these medicals that are being given out are a joke, yeah. you know, compared to, you know, that. So I don't know. I feel bad for everyone, man. I'm a, you know, I'm a wrestling fan at the end of the day. I'm super passionate and it's not, I mean, you know, I, I keep to myself. I don't get too caught up in, you know, everything else, but definitely feel for those athletes, those coaches, their wives, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, the fans, everybody, but what can you do? And I want to go back for a minute too. And, you know, you, you mentioned some of the women that the Hawkeye wrestling club has, and I want your perspective on what it's, what it's meant to be a coach. That's kind of leading that charge. Like women's wrestling is exploding right now. And you guys are definitely kind of on the front end of that with, with the, mm -hmm. with the talent you have, like, what has it meant for you to be a part of that? Like as women's wrestling is exploding to know that, you guys are kind of putting your, your money where your mouth is and, and you're bringing some of the best women to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. What has that meant to be a part of that? It means a lot. It means a lot to me. And that's just not talking, you know. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be, you know, a college coach when I was young. and But I don't want to just be, you know, in the game. I want to do things that help change the game. Yep. And I don't care if I'm getting the limelight or getting the attention. I don't care, but I want to see, you know, that's why you asked about how I feel about the club. I feel good, but there's still some pieces on sure. the financial end yep. that we've been working on for a long time that I want to get these pieces taken care yeah. of because it changes the game for every athlete, yep. you know, potentially moving forward where guys can make more money and take care of themselves and, you know, um, and not just the number one guys, you know, uh, um, it could be the number of five, six, seven guys where, you know, so to be involved with um, helping really put women's wrestling um, in front on a platform like Iowa, I think it's been huge for um, I think it's been huge for women's wrestling in this country. You know, um, you know, those athletes, um, some of them, you know, they're not your your say Helen Morales or Adeline Gray, but they get ten times more attention, yeah. you know, um, you know people th than them just because of the platform they're in front of. So I think it's really neat to for us to be able to help women's wrestling, and um, hopefully uh, that helps expose where where those athletes like Helen and Adeline and you know everyone just gets more attention, more money gets taken care of, and, and they're professionals. They deserve to be taken care of the right way. They do things the right way. You know, these girls are savages. You know, they're savages in the way that um, they're no different. They're no, it, there's no difference at all, you know. And um, so, yeah, it, it's been really fun to be a part of that. And I, I, I'm excited to see it explode here in the next five, you know, five years. For sure. And, and last question here before I let you go. You know, you mentioned kind of the reaction to the Olympic trials and Olympics being postponed. Like, as a coach and, you know, as a wrestling fan too, but as a coach, like, what are you doing now over the next, like, six months? Like, I've been trying to think. There hasn't been a time like this where there's nothing. For for at least at least two, three months, you're not going to have anything. Like, how do you adjust to that as both not only a wrestling fan who, who loves the sport, but as a coach now who's responsible for – kind of keeping athletes ready now for the trials next year um pretty easy you know i've talked to the athletes and um you know again it comes right back to the expectations they have out of themselves so you know who you know 
um, really believes that they're going to be the very, very best, yeah. um, be the Olympic champion. And, you know, it's, it's, although it stinks, it's not that hard to make that adjustment. You know, sure. what, 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 what you do is the way I look at it for a lot of our athletes, because every single person in our club has another cycle in them yeah. if they want, you know, if they want that, you know, they might win an Olympic gold and say, Hey, I'm done, you right. know, but, sure. but they're all young. Um, and every single person in our club is, they're on a, um, you know, their, their, their careers are going this way as far as they're wrestling. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I told them, look at the gains you've made in this amount of time when you've really got focused because the Olympics are coming. Hey, this is what I wanted my whole life. Oh yeah. You know, quit feeling sorry for myself. Now it's go time kind of deal. Um, where look at the gains you've made, you know. I believe that the, the a lot of these athletes they're going to be so much tougher next year. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying that some other athletes, um, you know, in, in the country and in the world won't. But if you have that mindset, you know, versus I'm just going to wrestle, you know, and when when it comes, it comes. Versus I'm going to be a hell of a lot better, yeah. you know, because I don't care what people think or say. There's certain athletes that they might be doing the same moves. The same setups, you know, a lot of, th but there's a lot happening in that, in between those ears, yep. you know, right here and right here that wasn't there, yep. um, where they can continue to grow there and grow, you know, um, in a, you know, take Kayla, for instance, she, she's tiny, yep. you know, she's a 59 kilo girl where um, she's wrestling at 62, where she can put on, you know, a little, a little bit of uh, power, you know, that maybe when, um, you know, she, she gets in deep on the, those high crotches, that finish is more explosive. And, you know, uh, Gilman, you know, can continue to do what he's done um, his whole career and really um, what, what he's been doing. I mean, he's had a pretty damn good year this last year, you know, yeah, and so. if – he he um he continues that path. I I, I believe that um, he's a hard nut to crack. You know the thing is is I love offense. We all love offense. You know everyone loves to watch the offensive wrestler, the offensive fighter, the you know the right. knockout artist. But the reality of it is is you know Gilman. What makes Gilman so damn tough? And where I feel like, yeah, we've worked with Forrest and uh, several, I see with the college guys and, and other international stars in America and the world is, you know, I don't think there's a person on the planet that is going to put up multiple takedowns on that, that guy. Or even, I agree. you know, with, with Kayla, you know, with Kayla, um, she, uh, her defense improved so much this year where I don't think anyone's touched her leg this year, where last year she's just letting people on her leg left and right because she can scramble and she's so gifted, you know. She reminds me of a, a lot of Spencer Lee as far as just the God-given ability sure. um, and elusiveness. So, I, I, I mean, even with Spencer, how much better is he going to be in a year? Right. You know, you know yeah. I, so I, th I think for our country, um, you know, you look at all those guys uh, – for uh at 65 with zane and yanni i mean how much better are they gonna be in a year right. you know um so i i think it's beneficial you know for 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 everyone and um i expect i mean 
I know that our athletes will be at a different level. Yeah, I think for sure it's one of those things where none of these athletes, like, you know, Frank Molnaro retired today, but aside from that, like, a lot of these athletes are just like, hey, I'm going to be ready. If it's tomorrow, if it's in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, I'm going to be ready, and I'm going to be better than I, than I would have been even now. Even letting your body heal up, like, a lot of these guys, mm. I mean, you know it better than anybody. Like, a lot of these guys have injuries, and you're almost rushing to get back, so a little bit of For time sure. off to heal your body doesn't necessarily hurt your chances here. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, um, there's not many, and e even guys that are a little older. I mean, it will affect some, but sure. you know, I, I look at I look at um, a lot of the younger athletes. I, I, I mean, Gilman's not necessarily young, but I just see the growth yeah. in his wrestling. You know, I mean, in a two and a half year period, it's like the guy's a freaking machine. Good, good luck in a year, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, and. It's even with Kayla. It's like it, it ultimately comes down to them um, or Forrest. I, I mean, how much she's improved. Yeah. You know, she was fifth in the U.S. Open two years ago, and she's won the last two U.S. Opens. And, you know, she's been in the world. She was uh, probably bonehead move of the century in the, <laughs> in the semifinals of the Worlds. But she's a hundredth of a second away of being in the World Finals. So, sure. you know, it's only going to benefit um, – a lot of these athletes, if they take, you know, they use the time the right way. And um, right now, I mean, if I was, uh, I mean, you just take care of your body, like you said, feel good, um, get stronger, get more flexible. Um, you know, may maybe not bulk up, you know, uh, but you know, Gilman's so disciplined. You take someone like him, for instance, like that's a big. 57 kilo. Yeah, you know, he's a big man, but he's not because he's a freak. And, yeah. he, and, he, and he keeps his weight under 10 yeah. year-round, where if he let himself go, he could be 150 pounds, 25. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, right. we're, maybe he lets himself, you know, put on an extra two to five pounds, you know, sure. just so you're living a little more comfortable for the next yeah. couple months. Your body's feeling good. And you know how you're looking at yourself in the mirror and, you know um, – <laughs> Doing all those kind of things, you know, feeling good about yourself, and yeah. um, ho hopefully, knock on wood, uh, you know that this everyone's safe around the world, and we get this cleared up, and hopefully, there'll be some international tournaments in September and October. They're on the UWW schedule. Hopefully, it's all cleared up by then, and we can compete in the fall. And it's going to be a good time. I feel like now more than ever, after all this like cancellations and postponements, like. Once people can finally get back out there, I know I've been talking to a lot of the guys that are just like, man, I'm just itching to compete. I was already itching to compete at the trials. Now you take that away from me, I'm itching even more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is, uh, it's interesting times. It's definitely interesting times. But, um, you know, you, you got to <clears throat> make it make it an edge. Yeah. You know, don't, don't make it a disadvantage. Make it your edge. And uh, I, I – from what Tom and Terry and the Iowa program and Gable, just what this is about, and not just us, but a lot of the, the best programs in the country and in the world, yeah. you know, th th those guys aren't going to take a step back. They're, they're going to be more prepared, and the wrestling for the fans is going to be even better. And, you know, we're, we're lucky on this side of things that at least we have the opportunity. That's why I say uh, for those college guys, it's just it's it's heartbreaking because I know how I am. As an emo as a person, um, had I been somebody like 
I don't know, you know, Lugo or Colin Moore or yeah. um, now granted I grew up around it my whole life, but if sure. if I had won if I had won a national title, um, and that happened, I definitely wouldn't be handling it as well as. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I you know I I hear how they are, you know, as far as just talking and stuff, and I'm sure you know deep down it's it's devastating to them um but it, re- it really stinks you know uh especially for guys like spencer now not being able to be a four-timer colin moore not being able to win a national championship guys like lujan who can't even all-american like it's definitely the storylines just go on and on like you said some of these guys have, have such a proper perspective where you know i i can't imagine myself the the pity party i'd be throwing myself if i if i didn't <laughs> have that opportunity like I'd be the yeah. first one. It, it's crazy, you know, and it's almost something I don't feel comfortable speaking, speaking about because it's yeah. just, it's so, it's surreal, yeah. you know. It's it's surreal that 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 I mean, I mean, that it's even happening to those guys, but um, you know, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's wild. Well, listen, man, I'm sure we could talk wrestling for hours, but I've kept you for about an hour and a half now, yeah. so I'm gonna let you go. You may have to come back on for a part two here soon but thank you for making the time and and stopping by i appreciate it you bet man take care awesome see it